Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Robin Vaughn, and she and I, yes, met on TikTok. You guys know me. But her story is just fascinating, incredible, and I had to have her on my podcast. So welcome to the show, Robin. Thank you. I'm so glad you invited me. Well, your story blew me away, as do so many people that have your kind of experiences. And before I say too much, I'm just going to let you tell my listeners the story of what happened with you. And then I'm just going to chime in and we're going to have a conversation about it. So tell everybody what's going on. Well, it's actually a two-parter story. It's a near-death experience story and it's a reincarnation story. So I'm going to tell it in chronological order so that we don't get out of order, but then we can discuss them both deeper. Sounds great. We lived in a large city at this point, and um, I was working full-time at a hospital, and my son and my daughter were staying with an Mm ex-boyfriend. It was during the summer, and my son was four, just about to be five, Mm -hmm. and my daughter was 15. And they were swimming at this apartment complex swimming pool with my ex-boyfriend. And Owen, my son, he fell into the water trying to reach for his floaty Mm. and fell through the hole in the floaty. And nobody was watching him. Uh, My daughter was across the pool on the other side. And she screamed and jumped into the pool, hit her head on the bottom of the pool And tried to come up and she couldn't find him. And then a Boy Scout was actually across the yard and he dove in and saved my son's life, pulled him out of the pool, gave him CPR. They called 911. Ambulance got there. I was called and I got there as the ambulance was loading him up to take him to the hospital. Oh, to, wow. He was awake. He was breathing. He was crying, crying for mama. They wanted to observe him for dry drowning. Okay. That's what actually happened. Mm, really? <laughs> so the trauma of, you know, almost losing your child yes. and all that, this whole thinking about this story has brought back a lot of the trauma of, you know, almost losing my child. This was the second time he had almost died in those four short years. <sighs> um, he almost died from pneumonia when he was a year old. And so uh, it was very traumatic to me. Anyway, we're sitting in the hospital observing him for dry drowning. And my daughter and I are sitting there with him in the ER. And he's on oxygen. And they've got an IV in him and all that. And he just looks over at me and he says, you know, I watched myself die. Oh, my gosh. And I said, you did? And he said, I saw my hand as I was going underwater, and then all of a sudden, my hand and I went up into the sky, Mom, and the really nice man that I knew before held me for a long time and told me I was going to be okay. Oh, my God. Now, he was four? He was four. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And so, my daughter and I were like, okay. And I said, and then what happened? And he said, oh, it wasn't near as bad as last time I died. What? And I said, huh? And he said, yeah, it wasn't anything like last time I died. He said, it didn't hurt this time. Oh, my 
gosh. And my, my daughter and I were just, huh? And about that time, you know, the doctors came in and things got, so we didn't get to talk about it again until we got in the car. Okay. And I buckled him into his seat and I got in the front seat. My daughter was in the seat next to me and he all of a sudden piped up from the back seat. He said, yeah, that wasn't near as bad as last time. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> He just kept saying that. Yeah. And so I just pulled over. And I I was like, okay, tell me about last time. Like, yeah, because he, he, like he wanted to talk about it or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, he said, uh, well, last time the man didn't let me come back. What? And I said, why not? And he said, he said that I was done with that and that I needed to find someone else. And so last time he helped me. And I found you and Lala. He called his sister Lala. He said, I found you and Lala. And I said, how did you see us? And he said, well, you were on TV, but you were driving your car. And I saw Lala in her car seat. And I picked you out because I thought y'all looked like a really nice family. And I knew you needed me. Wow. And he had already said this several times through his four years. He had said, God sent me to you because he knew you would need help with Lala someday. And he's right. She was hell on wheels. So um, (laughs) (laughs) so I've always needed him in my life as a mediator and as a calming point. He's been my best buddy. You know, but at this point, he said he had seen her in her car seat. Well, she was nine when he was born. Oh, wow. So she wasn't in a car seat when he was born. No. So. I guess he had it planned for a while or something. Yeah. yeah. And he described a dark blue interior to the car. And that car I had had when she was about five. Okay. Um, All right. So, yeah. So when he saw us, he saw a picture of us from about the time she was about five. Wow. And they are nine and a half years apart. So anyway, so he said the man, he kept telling me the man. And I said, well, what does this man look like? And he said, well, he just looked like a man, mom. He had a beard and a dress on (laughs) and he was really nice. And I said, was it Jesus? And he said, oh, no, no, it wasn't Jesus. He said, he's just a really nice man. And I sat in his lap and the other kids that I know from before, they were coloring and playing with toys and stuff. And he said, it was good to see some of my old friends. Wow. And uh, I said, did you get to talk to any of them? And he said, yeah, for a minute, but I wasn't there very long. He said, he told me I had to come back, that I wasn't done helping you yet. He remembers coughing and his lungs hurting. And then he remembers the ambulance and all that. So that's all he had for his near-death experience, really, was this man in a brown dress. He was in a brown dress, and it was rough. He said it was a rough brown dress and uh, had a, a beard And he was very nice. And he just said, you know, you need to go back. Your mom needs you. What what I'm blown away by is the fact that he's so dang articulate at four. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's amazing. And and I'd say he's amazing. Now, he has a high functioning autism. Mm -hmm. So he's a little professor. And if he gets on a subject, he is incredibly articulate and can talk and explain. I mean, at this point, at four years old, he was describing dinosaurs with all their scientific names and all of that. So I don't want to I don't want to dumb him down. No, yeah. He did use some four year old language, but he was very articulate with 
stories. And that's pretty prevalent, I think, in a lot of the higher functioning autistic children that they're just so focused, that they retain so much, and they're so good at it. And they and they can tell you everything and you're just blown away. And this, this little four year old's telling you about dinosaurs and the bone structure and and what they're called. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) He was amazing. I mean, you know, at two years old, he put my name together with Batman and Robin. And, you know, he was going around going Batman, Robin, Batman, Robin, oh you know, gosh. so, yeah. you yeah. know, he's, he's not dumb by no, any sort. No. So. so, so he told you the story and that's really all he remembers about this part of it. So tell me the rest. So we were just blown away. Yeah. You know, we're just sitting there just completely dumbfounded. <laughs> and so, and I'm trying to write, furiously write and take notes. And the reason I was aware of what was happening is because my daughter had also had some past life memories. When she was about three, four, five years old, she had had a few past life memories. So I was very well, I had read uh, one of Carol Bowman's books about children's past lives. So it wasn't new to me. And as soon as he started talking about the nice man and choosing us, you know, you got to write this down so you can remember this. Well, yeah. And you know, I'm wondering if that was maybe a guide, one of his guides, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe. And guys, I got to share this with you. Uh, Robin works for a church. Um, and oh. she she's in the state of Texas. So she's we're both in the Bible Belt. So for her to even have one child that's had a past life, remembering something like that, or near death experience, but then having another child that says, hey, mom, I kind of remember this. Um, she's had to be very open-minded. And I think it kind of contradicts what you do for a living. So I know that that's got to be a little hard. <laughs> well, it's very hard because you don't have anyone to talk to about these things. Right. And that's why I was so excited to talk to you yes. and share this with like-minded people. Just because it is such a fascinating story. Yes. And, so. Yes. And the thing is, it's so amazing because I hear these stories all the time. The fact that they can come back and talk about this and you do have the freedom to tell us everything. So keep going. I kind of interrupted you. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So she's 18 years old now. So this okay. has been a while. Yeah. That very same day, and I cannot exactly remember the order of things, but okay. as he was telling his near-death experience story, he also started iterating about how the last time it hurt worse. Mm. And I said, the last time what, that you drowned? And he said, no, the last time I died, it just hurt worse. And I said, when did you die? And he said, oh, it's been a while ago. I just, okay, just, just I mean, matter of fact. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, he honestly is my 80 year old man in a child's body. He's right? always, you know, he drinks coffee and oh, reads the newspaper hilarious. to wake up in the morning. So he's always been an old soul. So yeah. him saying things like this, it sounds outlandish to some, but it's, this is Owen. Yeah. Anyway, he said it hurt worse last time. And so I said, would you want to tell me about it? And he said, well, he said, I don't remember. And he was just kind of sat there for a minute. And he said, it was just really hot. And the men were really, really mean to us kids. Mm. And he said, I had been a bad boy. And I had been doing some bad things. And so my mom, she didn't know what to do with me. So she sent me away. Oh, wow. And I went to this desert. And they were really mean to us. And it was really hot. And he said, I remember wearing black pants mm. and a black shirt. And he said, and I was really thirsty. And I started crying and I wanted my mom. Mm. And so uh, he said, they kept yelling at me. And he said, and then... 
I don't know why, he said, but I just started eating rocks and dirt because I just was so thirsty, he said, and I just started eating rocks and dirt, and he said, and then all of a sudden, they were really mean to me and threw me in a bathtub, and that's where I died. Oh, my gosh. And I said, you died, and he said, yeah. I said, what happened after that? And he said, well, that's when... He said, I watched what they did to me. He said, they put me in a pickup or in a truck. He called it a truck. He said, they put me in a truck and they drove me around a while and they cried and yelled at each other. And then they let me go home. And I said, where where was home? And he said, oh, he said, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, my God. And we're like, OK, you know, that's OK. And then he, he said it was just really bad. He said it was just really bad and it was really hot. And he said, and I threw up and I threw up mud. Wow. And uh, I said, oh, that's awful. And he said, yeah. He said, but I don't want to go back to that. I said, OK, that's all right. And he said, I don't want to talk anymore. And so, OK, that's fine. We didn't talk anymore. Sure. But that night he had terrible. He already had night terrors. He'd had night terrors for years, mm-hmm. all his life, ever since he was he came home a very sick baby. He oh. screamed for three days straight. One time we took him to the emergency room. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with them. Wow. Um, this was when he was a newborn. He just always had temperature issues terrible terrible issues very sick baby anyway so night terrors was nothing new but when he woke up this time in his night terror he was screaming I want my mom I want my mom and I went in there I was holding him and trying to hold him and he was pushing away and he said no I want my real mom I want my real mom I want my other mom and I'm like honey I'm your mom and he said no I want my real mom and I said who's your real mom and he said I want Melanie oh my gosh And I was like, okay, okay. You know, and I just held him and he's screaming and crying. And then he just goes back to sleep. Well, the next day he doesn't remember anything. Okay. Doesn't remember anything. Wow. Through the next couple of days, I gradually got pieces of the story out of him a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, I said, do you remember this other woman, this Melanie? And he's, no, I don't know what you're talking about. But he kept having dreams about this other woman. Right wanting his other mother um (laughs) and this is where he he gets really embarrassed by this part of the story when we (laughs) talked about it the other day he honestly didn't want me to tell this but i think it's a crucial part of the story okay so we went to identikid they had an identikid thing uh where you could get your child's fingerprints and a picture taken and they could get a little id card and it was for all the children, you know, so that they would have an ID card and the fingerprints on file because there was a bunch of child abduction stuff, you know, going right. on. Yeah. And it was just something they really suggested everyone do there in the city we lived in. Sure. And we did go to a really big, he was getting ready to go to a really big kindergarten. So we went to this thing. It was at a furniture store, actually. And we did the fingerprints and everything. And then they were they had a big TV set up with a lot of gaming things. And he went over to start playing Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. My daughter and I walked around the store a little bit. And then I told him it was time to go. And he started screaming that he didn't want to leave. A typical four-year-old, you know, right. threw a fit. <laughs> All of a sudden, he starts running through the store screaming, that's not my mom. I want my other mom. I want my real mom. That's not my mom. Oh my and this gosh. is an identikid program. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, my god! 
<laughs> and one of the women started following me through the store. Ma'am, ma'am, is that your child? Is that your child? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's my son. That's my son. I promise. That's my son. He's just had some traumatic things happen lately. And he's autistic, you know, right. just well, Yeah, I mean, at that point, what do you say, right? Yeah. And I finally caught up to him, threw him on, on my shoulder, you know, and I'm carrying him out the door and she starts barring the door. No, you cannot leave until you can what? prove that that's your child. And I'm like, how do you expect me to prove this is my child? And she said, do you have any identifying things in your car? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's go look. I have stuff in the car. Maybe I, I can show you my driver's license or whatever. And so right. we walk out to the car and I put him in the car seat and she's refusing to let me close the door. And I'm like showing her artwork and there's his shoes and there's his, you know, I'm just looking around the car trying to find something that would identify this child to me. And she says, I'm calling the police. I think you're kidnapping this kid. Oh, and my God, Robin. I push her out of the way, <laughs> slam the door, get in the car, and drive away. And I'm so afraid she's going to send the police and they're going to come find me and take my child away. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to prove this. I, you know, so I call my mom and she's like, calm down, calm down. I've got his birth certificate here. <laughs> Like, thanks a lot, Owen. <laughs> and so I sat him down on the floor and I was like, you, you're going to get mama arrested if you don't quit this. I said, I know that you love that other mom, but I'm your mom now. You have got to quit this. Yeah. Let's talk about this. And that's when he told me again, the very same story. He said, well, he said, I was mean to my mom and I want to tell her I'm sorry. Mm. And uh, I said, how were you mean to her? And he said, well, I just, I argued with her all the time. And I told her that I hated her and I lied to her and I did bad things and she didn't know what to do. And she cried a lot. And I did that. I made her cry. And I said, but honey, you're, you're Owen now. You're not this, this other boy. Right. And he, he said, uh, that's when he said, my name was Anthony. Oh, wow. And I said, really? I said, your name is Anthony? I said, do you know your last name? And he said, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I gave you Anthony. What else do you want, Mom? <laughs> yeah. So I had that to go on. Yeah. And so he told me, again, the same story. He got really hot. The men were really mean to him. The black man yelled at him. And then uh, he said, I died in the bathtub. And he said, I had water and rocks in my mouth. Mm. And he said, I just, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. Wow. And so we kind of stopped talking about it after that. He was just so distraught. And yeah. I just told him, I said, okay. I said, if you don't feel like talking about this anymore, that's okay. I said, we don't need to keep talking about it and giving you nightmares. We need to just, you know, that's either it's a dream or it's a memory. I'm not sure what it is, but let's just you know, let's just try to move on. I'm your mom now. Right. And we did. He would say things every once in a while. You know, like I said, God sent me to you to help you with Lala. Mm -hmm. um, he would say things like, I hate the desert. Wow. Um, I never want to go to the desert. He loves mountains. He loves trees and, and cold weather. He hates heat. He wow. hates the summer. <laughs> yeah, well, that's me. I, I don't like the heat either. So, hey, dude, I, I hear you, man. I don't like the desert yeah. either. Yeah. 
And I didn't even tell you this, but so we went on. I have some other research that I can tell you about here in a minute, but we went on and didn't really think about it much. Owen forgot the story. He has forgotten through the years. Mm -hmm. He became really sick about four years ago with what we now know is a Chiari malformation and uh, tethered cord syndrome. And then he also has dysautonomia and a heart condition called POTS. But at that point, we didn't know what was causing him to lose weight so fast. And he actually got put in the hospital for uh, gastroparesis. Mm -hmm. Um, He was dying of malnutrition. Wow. And we battled and battled and battled. And his body was shutting down. Things were going wrong. And he was 14 when this started. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what if this is the time limit that this child is only going to have? Oh, right, right. (laughs) Because Tony was 14 when he passed. And one night, Owen was incredibly suicidal. Mm. And I was sitting up with him. He was crying. And he just said, I just want to die. If I'm just going to feel like this the rest of my life, I just want to die. Because at least I know I'll feel better. And I said, how will you know that? And he said, because I always did before. And I said, so you, I said, so you remember feeling better? And he said, I remember every time I've died and I feel better. He said, it always feels at peace. I feel calm. I don't hurt. Mm. He said, and I just don't want to hurt anymore. And I told him, I said, I get that. I get that. I'm not going to tell you not to die. I'm not going to tell you not to contemplate it. I'm just going to say, please hang in there for me and let me try to help you as much as I possibly can. Right, right. Because the more you combat them and the more you say you are not allowed to and you're going to do this and you might go to hell or I don't think you'd say that. But it's almost like that's a green light because they're yelling at me. I feel terrible. I don't want to be here. My mom's yelling at me. Everybody's upset with me. I may as well just do it. And that's horrible to think of. But yeah, I understand why you... um, played into it a little bit. I know that wasn't what you wanted to tell him. I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, God, no. And then that's what helped start our fund for uh, hope for Owen. It was just the kid needed some hope. He needed some hope. And we had a whole benefit for him. And and it was great. The town really rallied around the kid. But it was just traumatic. So anyway, so that Thinking about all of this kind of didn't just trigger the almost losing my son at four, but also almost losing him again at 14. And he is still a chronically ill teenager. And he has a lot of pain in thinking, you know, about what he has been through so far in this life. Mm. And he's also sad for what Tony went through in his life. Well, tell my listeners you got some names. So you started Googling. So tell them what happened with that. So I had after he started talking about that day that he ran away from me and was crying for his mom. He gave me enough information about desert and Anthony that I could finally kind of start piecing together. Now this is I think 2005, 2006, maybe. So I did have a computer. I started Googling and I just started Googling boy dies in desert. Had no idea. He just told me there was a bunch of other kids around and there was mean guys. So I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And up pops an article from a major news company Mm -hmm. called Death in the Desert. And it tells the story of this boy 
Anthony Haynes that passed away during the Buffalo Soldiers reenactment boot camp in Arizona. And it was so horrifyingly spot on to everything Owen described. I, wow. Down to the fact that the boy, after he passed out, they took him to a motel, Mm. put him in a bathtub with the shower running. And then when they went back to check on him, he had either seized or turned over, rolled over, and he was face down in the bathtub full of water, and he asphyxiated due to mud in his lungs, was what the autopsy later reported. Terrible. And so you're reading all this going, oh my God, this actually happened. Wow. Yeah. Now, mind you, my son was only, uh, he'd just turned five by the time I found this article. Um, So this was B. December, uh, found the article. They had pictures of Anthony, Mm -hmm. and he had the same type of eyes as Owen, but I didn't really see much else. Okay. It wasn't until I revisited the article about 2013, Mm -hmm. and Owen was about 12 years old. I revisited the article just to remind myself, you know, and look at the pictures and see the update. They had just released the man from prison Mm -hmm. that they held responsible for this. And I was reading that article and there was pictures of Tony and him and my son are identical. They could be twin brothers. Really? Um, The same cheeks, the same eyes, the same face shape. Owen had that 12 year old boy chub at that time. He hadn't started getting sick yet. And um, he had glasses just like Anthony. It was uncanny, uncanny how much he looked like Anthony now. Well, Robin, when did you tell him, you know, that you found out that this really did happen and it was a true thing? It wasn't just a nightmare. When did you tell him? Probably not at the age of five. No, no, no. I didn't tell him for a long time. I told his sister, of course, and we just, we just obsessed over it. And I didn't tell him until you and I started talking. And that's when, uh, (laughs) I mean, he knew that I knew that that boy existed. He knew I had confirmed. Uh, I don't remember how I told him. I think I just said, I found Anthony and your story is true uh, is kind of how I told him. But I didn't tell him anything else because I didn't want to traumatize him because that story is horrific. It is just. I mean, they covered that story about that poor Anthony on what Dateline in 2020, right? Yes. Yes. There's a whole there's you can watch it on YouTube. You can. I mean, it's gut wrenching. And I sat him down and I told him that I wanted to do this podcast. Mm -hmm. And he at first was absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. He said, I don't want anyone to know that I am associated with that poor child. And I said, it's not that you're associated, honey. I think it's a fascinating story. And it shows that you, you know, what he went through and, but there's life after death, that there's actually more to his story. He actually, and he said, mom, what about his family? Mm Mm-hmm. What about his family? They miss him. They loved him. They mourn him. And here I am going to tell everybody that, oh, I'm fine. I'm over here living with someone else in Texas. (laughs) Yeah. You know. (laughs) No, and I think you're right. You and I talked, and I think it is like, it's almost like a survivor's guilt where, and I think he's very uh, 
first of all, he's very intelligent, but I think he's very emotionally mature to even think like that. That takes that takes a strong character. That takes somebody that, that really understands how this all works as far as loving people and giving people grace. Um, but I think you are absolutely right in telling him this story needs to be told, if nothing else, and this is why I do this podcast, and we talked about that too, I want to spread awareness that this wasn't a coincidence. He absolutely lived another life. Unfortunately, he had to pass, but it was his time to come to you, understand that he actually did remember it, and then know that every time he said, I felt better when I wasn't in body, uh, there's so much more to this life than you know, than just dying and not, not existing. And I think we're scratching the surface on things that we can do when we come back or when we go back to heaven or wherever you think you're going to go. And I think it's like a heaven type thing. So absolutely, this is so important for my listeners and for you to tell the story. And I hope I hope he gets to hear this when he's ready, because I'm, I'm doing this with all due respect to him and Anthony's family they probably won't ever hear this and they may not want to hear this because I don't even know if they know about you guys. Do they? No, no. I've never reached out and contacted them. I have found them on Facebook. Um, His mother, his father and his lovely stepmother that was just like a mother to him. Um, She probably mourns him just as much as his biological mother does. She actually has posted every year uh, on his birthday, how much she misses him. She's a beautiful woman just through and through. His uh, baby sister is now a proud mother, but she lost a baby a couple of years ago, and his name was actually Anthony. They love him. They miss him. He was a good, good boy, very misunderstood, got in with the wrong crowd, Uh, no fault of his own. He just... His mother just was so at a loss and she was completely snowed by these people Mm. that claimed they would take care of her son and make him live the straight and narrow, you know, and they were abusive and horrible Mm. to these children. And there's many kids from that very camp that are on those child abuse boot camp awareness sites that we'll talk about Tony and how wonderful he was and how sweet and funny. And they remember that day. They're sad still to this day. And this happened in 2001. So they're, they're still very much affected by Tony's story. Mm. So there's people out there that love him so much. And it makes me very sad and feel a lot selfish that I get to enjoy Owen and how amazing and wonderful and terrific he is while they're mourning the loss of Anthony. Right. No, and I understand that. I do. But I do think, and you know, it's one of those things where you probably shouldn't contact them. But, you know, I do think that the way you've handled this is just remarkable. And the fact that, you know, Owen can live on and now eventually kind of move past it because this is something that he carries and maybe still carries with him a little bit. Um, There's a thing called DNA trauma, and he might have a little bit of that from Anthony because Anthony passed away at 14. He had some issues at 14, and now he's past the age of Anthony, but he was always kind of a sickly kid. And I'm hoping he kind of grows out of that too because 
I, I think kids can once they get rid of that. And I don't know if there's somebody you can talk to. Does he go to therapy? No, not yet. And we are looking into some uh, psychological uh, neuropsychology and things like okay. that, that yeah. can help with the medically complex brain um, yeah. with the, the trauma just of being a medically complex teenager yes. in itself, regardless of the other trauma he has suffered, not just the near death experience, but you know, other abuse trauma and things he has suffered through his life. Yeah. And so, yeah, and it's, it's definitely something he needs to work through. I think, like you said, it's almost on a cellular level, yes. this, this body. And I was reading the articles again to try to refresh my memory on, on some of the, the names and things of, of things whenever I first started talking with you. And I caught something that I, I brought up to Owen whenever we were talking about it. Anthony was experiencing some leg pain and uh, physical ailments that nobody believed him. Mm. They thought he was making it up. He was shaky. He was uh, faint. His mother actually had asked them to please make sure he has enough water to drink Mm. and to always let him have a snack when he needs a snack because they thought it was blood sugar related. Okay. And he was always shaky and had leg pain. And the man that they held responsible for this that actually went to jail, he claims that if Anthony's mother had been more vocal on his physical ailments, they would never have taken him in. Mm. But according to the other campers, they made fun of Anthony's physical ailments and, and didn't believe him. They didn't believe he needed more water. They didn't believe he needed a snack. They made fun of him. You're just weak. You're just, you know, they said some horrible things. Well, there's, um, there's a reason that man but, is in jail. Let's be honest, yeah. because, you know, I don't I don't care. It sounds like, oh, we wouldn't have taken him had we. No, you were horrible to all of the children, including Anthony. So I think he's where he needs to be. But keep going. Yeah. So anyway, when I was reading that, that is really what started about 10 years old, 10, 11, 12 years old. Owen's legs started hurting. He started getting really shaky, weak. He constantly had to have water. He had to go to the bathroom. And when he first started getting sick, I kept taking him to urgent care to have his blood sugar checked because I thought he had juvenile diabetes. Something was up. Something's wrong with my child. What's wrong with my child? And then he lost 30 pounds in six weeks and we were in the intensive care for oh. malnutrition. You know, it was, wow. yeah. But it just makes me, I told Owen, I said, it just, it makes me so sad that maybe Anthony had some of these illnesses that you have and they just didn't know. They just were ignoring it. And he said, yeah, but how wonderful in the same sense that here I am, a whole nother kid, and I'm still suffering from chronic illness. Isn't that great? Yeah, well, you know, and it's, I do think there's a cellular DNA thing here yeah. where it's if there's a memory there and or a trauma memory. And I think if you happen to talk to a psychotherapist or somebody maybe even can do a little hypnotism on him and go back and talk through the past life, the past life regressionists, they're fantastic. And they can help them close that door. Maybe, maybe, maybe 
help him heal. I'm, I'm sure it would take more than one little magical session, but I do oh, think that, amazing, that I, I, that. I really think that that would be very, if he'd be okay with it, very helpful for him. I really do. Yeah, I think so too, but getting him to do it is a whole nother right, thing. Right, right. Because, you know, <laughs> I, you know, he has a totally different belief about certain things I think than you do. I do think he oh. understands that there's something beyond here. And I do think he, you know, but I do think he's a little bit riddled with guilt and God bless him for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we both are, yeah. you know, we're both, uh, I feel guilty for getting to enjoy this beautiful human, you know? Um, but I also feel very protective and I sure. don't really want him to be subjected to more than what he sure. really can emotionally handle. Yeah. And, so I have protected him very much from the whole story. He does not know now as an 18 year old adult, he does not know the whole story. Mm. <clears throat> so he only knows what he remembers right. and he has pretty much blocked that out. Well, and you know, that's, that's another thing um, that maybe if he were to go to a, just, if nothing else, just call him a counselor, just to help with working through other things. Don't even have to bring up this whole past life thing. And maybe they can say, Hey, listen, let's just talk about it. Maybe we can heal some things, you know, totally up to him, but I do think it would help him. So I, I tell you what, Robin, this story, my gosh, (laughs) well, we talked and you were like, Hey, listen, I have this little thing that happened. And I'm like, that's not little. And I need to have you on the podcast so people can understand what you went through because this is remarkable. This yeah. is so amazing, yet tragic, yet see what God can do. Right, right. You know? Well, and I, I was going to add, not all his memories of Tony's life is bad. He oh. had a couple of really good memories that came up right after he was kind of when he was suicidal, but we started processing some things and I recorded them on my phone because he was processing, trying to decide if they were dreams. Mm. Um, He thinks he's only had visible dreams, you know, just very visible dreams. Mm -hmm. But he remembers very, very seriously, he remembers laying on yellow shag carpeting, coloring in Mm. a coloring book and watching cartoons. Oh, wow. We've always had either white carpet or hardwood floors or, you know, we've never had the yellow shag carpeting. My house, parents' house, babysitter's house, no one's ever had yellow shag carpeting. Mm -hmm. He remembers the blonde woman and he remembers her hugging him Mm -hmm. and she always smelled good. He said Mm -hmm. she always smelled like apples. He remembered her. I think that was his mother. And then he remembered having Pop-Tarts every morning for breakfast. And he missed Pop-Tarts. And I remember him telling me he misses Pop-Tarts. He told me this when he's like seven, eight years old. I miss Pop-Tarts. I'm like, (laughs) when did you ever have Pop-Tarts? He has been on a strict gluten-free diet since he was two years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I said, when have you had Pop-Tarts? And he said, Oh, I don't know. I just, I just miss pop tarts. Well, he remembered last year when he was talking, he said, and you know what? I would really like some strawberry frosted pop tarts. <laughs> right. He said, I really miss pop tarts. And I'm like, you've told me this before. And he said, I remember eating pop tarts every morning for breakfast and I miss them. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's so funny that he still remembers, you know, because I know he's let some of the trauma part go, but the fact that he can remember some of the good stuff and it's still pretty vivid. 
you know, that he can still remember because most kids from what I've studied that do have a past life after five, six, seven years old, it starts fading and they become the person they need to be in that life. And they kind of let the other life go. Um, And I think that's pretty much happened for Owen, but it also the fact that he can still remember so well. And I think that might be his special needs situation where he has that ability to go back, don't you think? Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, I've always had the memory of an elephant and, and things myself. I remember dreams I've had and and things. So I think a lot of it is, you know, genetic. I think some of it's, you know, a lot to do with autism, sensory processing disorder. I don't know if maybe his brain processes memory different than other people but yeah he's he's got a fantastic memory so yeah uh I just but like I said I am just blown away did you tell me you were gonna maybe start a book on this I've wanted to many many times I always wanted to do a fiction though where I did actually contact the family and yeah you know kind of tell it from the boy's story you know and how he remembers the life and then he went to look for his other family and uncovers clues or helps send the man to prison for even longer because I'm still hacked off that this man was released only five years after Anthony's death. He was only held responsible for five years and he's still running that boot camp. He's still running that boot camp and he takes zero responsibility for it whatsoever. Well, you know what, girl, write that book. And, and I tell you what, because I'll just let you do it. (laughs) Right. I know. I I give you all permission. Yeah, We'll just, we'll just do a ghostwriting thing, but no, your story though. Thank you so much. Cause I know I'm the only podcast you've talked to only person in any kind of media situation you've talked to about the story. And I want to thank you, but I also want to thank Owen. And if he's listening right now, I hope he understands how much this means to me and how important his story is and how much hope he's given for other people that wonder, do I just die and nothing happens and I just go away? No, you don't. You never do. No. And I also want everyone out there to know that we do still remember. Yes. We still remember you. We still remember Anthony. We, I appreciate Anthony's story. I appreciate Anthony's family. And I just appreciate Anthony letting, letting himself come back to me. Absolutely. So. And, and, what, and what a lovely story that was. No, but thank you so much for being on my podcast, Robin. Your story has been so enlightening and so amazing. I, I can't thank you enough. Well, thank you so much for listening. And I've got other stories. If you ever, you know, want to hear some spooky tales from the hospital, we can talk about that. Uh, yeah, we may have to have you back on for that. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.